Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, Dave, and occasionally a special guest here to talk about the club that we love, Tottenham Hotspur. Come on, you Spurs. Let's go. Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, and Dave, and today we are also joined by our friend Wendy from the Extra Inch. Wendy, welcome. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I'm, um, I've, I do feel deflated after the, the, the game today, but aside from that, all good. Great to hear. Mike, how about you? Uh, I'm pretty good. Um, for the first time in nearly two years, I had a couple people at my house, like inside of my house, instead of outside by the fire. Um, so uh, had our friend Nikki Winks over and uh, and our friend uh, The Neck, Chris. Um, they, they came over and watched the match. We had uh, some wings and uh, some chili and uh, all went all went well on that front. Um, Unfortunately, you know, uh, the, the, the result, uh, at the end was not great for us, but, um, overall it's been a good weekend, man. I'm, I'm not going to complain at all. Glad, glad to hear it. You know, Mike, I am going to complain and, and Steve, this is for you, buddy. I'm here we go. You know, Mike, you had Nikki Winks and, and neck over with you today. Steve yeah. and I on the WhatsApp chat, we're like bandits going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, <laughs> probably a million messages between the two of us. And Basically, we got fully ignored by the three of you, um, completely I left think Chris, out. Chris was on his phone the whole time. Well, it wasn't with us. I'm telling you that much. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you that um, while I was out, uh, you know, getting all the, the, the food and stuff ready, he was having a very spirited conversation with my nine-year-old. Um, <laughs> and it was funny to listen to because he's giving, you know, my son pointers and, and uh, kind of letting him know kind of what's going on in the game and, and why certain players are doing certain things. Cause that's, you know, he only plays in a five on five or seven V seven, you know, environment uh, at his age. And, and, you know, the, the game is completely different, especially like right now he's got, he's like in full futsal mode. So yeah, uh, it, it was very funny. So uh, I didn't, I, I put my phone down because I didn't want to ignore my guests because I haven't had mm. any, and I had to just, revel in that moment of having well, we, actual people inside of my house that weren't my parents we clearly see where we we rank in the uh, the order now so at least that's straight so thank I love, you i love you guys though i do love you guys it's it's been sorted and steve and i are at the bottom speaking <laughs> of that steve how are you uh well i'm actually feeling pretty inflated right now uh but that's mostly because of the big puffy coat that i've got on recording down in the basement as uh, you know it's a little early so my kiddo's up screaming his head off upstairs and uh it's probably a solid 20 degrees colder in the basement than it is upstairs so that's it's got to be like 40 45 degrees down here it's freezing um but that's kind of what you get when you, it's been negative temperatures for days in a row so that's fun <laughs> but I've, I've got my uh i've got my alcohol to keep me warm i got the nice puffy coat i'll be fine you'll be fine a little bit of Spurs love will make it all better. So speaking of that, rather than start with the despondent day today, Wednesday was kind of a cool day. Would, would anyone like to talk about our experience Wednesday? Um, Wendy, what if you get us started? What what did you see? What did you feel uh, in the midweek match? Felt all the feelings again. It was really nice. I actually felt really happy and excited watching Spurs. Um, I mean, that was... 
we, you, you shouldn't get that many endings that are like that in football matches. And yet here we are as Spurs fans. We seem to have been spoiled by them over the last sort of four or five years. Um, not so much over the last couple. And so that was the first for a while, but it felt really, really great. Like, I mean, I thought we played well. You know, I, I had a tweet ready to go at full time saying this was a freak result. We didn't deserve to lose. We played really well. We should be very positive about this. And then, you know, Bergwijn just completely... 94 minutes and 35 seconds they're taking a goal kick you just think it's, it's done it's over and somehow he managed to score two I mean it was just incredible it was so so exciting and it was the other thing about it it felt like there was a real togetherness in the in in amongst the team not just the fans you know the fans it was great for the fans but I saw the team and the the management staff and you know play like <laughs> Ben Davis running over to celebrate with Conte and his staff was was one thing. But Harry Kane, I mean, I've not seen Harry Kane respond like that to a, a result in goodness knows how long. And he was he was beaming after the game and and so proud of Bergwijn. And that was really nice to see. And it kind of it just was like a real picking up and felt great. And it felt like that was going to set us up for this game against Chelsea. And then little do we know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're kind of feeling frustrated again. But I mean, th- th- these are the moments that we bother with this all for. It's kind of why you go through all the, the crap watching your team, because it doesn't get better than, than two last minute, and not even last minute, you know, beyond last minute, two goals to, to rescue a result out of nowhere from a player who was being lined up for a transfer in the same week. It's just beautiful. None of us would have been surprised had he been transferred, right? Like that was something that we were fully prepared for. Steve, uh, I'm curious, what was your response when uh, when the second of Bergwijn's goals went in? Did you have a verbal audible response and were you alone or around other human beings? No, I mean, I was technically around other human beings. You know, my wife's working from home with me. My mom's up watching the kid because he can't go to daycare again because of another COVID exposure, because this is the world we live in. Uh, fortunately, she was able to come up um, and, and, and help us out there. But uh, no, I, I remember distinctly, you know, when, the, when, when we equalized, right? When Bergwijn scored the equalizer, I... I had shot off a message in our WhatsApp chat. What's WhatsApp chat? Jesus, I'm man. never gonna get that. Three times I'm quickly. Never gonna get that. Three times quickly, Steve. Anyway, so I had the message sent off. You know, yeah, you know, we we rescued a point, but it felt like we probably should have won that given all the chances. And then I look up, and Taylor has turned the ball over. You know, boom, boom, Bergwijn's in again, and then the slow roll to bounce off the post and then you get uh, who was it Soychek that was trying to bat it away in frustration as it crossed the line I was just like my jaw hit the floor I was watching that like I just don't know what emotion to feel anymore I was so upset for most of the game with you know not capitalizing on the numerous chances and then we got probably an unjust equalizer and then we went on to win it like I just went from zero to ten like that like it was so quick and I mean everything when he said is spot on like that that emotional roller coaster is is part of the excitement for us being Spurs fans right like I I could probably use a, a few less uh, heart attacks in the middle of the game. Um, probably going to go gray real early here, 
but you know, it, for, for results like that, for finishes like that, that was just incredible. I wanted to just grab my monitor and start shaking it, um, you know, cheering with the team, with everybody else. It, it kind of made me wish I, you know, we were watching all together at, at Goodwater or even at Mike's house. Uh, Cause that would have been a great game to just go absolutely bonkers with a bunch of other fans, but man, that was just something else. That's, a, that's another one of those Spurs memories that I'm just going to keep in the back of my head. You know, it's not like it was a, a sexy result. You know, it was just a league win in the middle of the season against Leicester, but man, it felt great. Um, I, I will say I didn't expect it to translate into anything against Chelsea. So I'm not quite as disappointed because I expected this result coming. <laughs> uh but when we get to that yeah you know, i've got some some probably more reserved thoughts than some of the uh, hot takes that i've been seeing on on social media uh so i'm excited to to talk about that but man what a finish way to go bergwine totally deserved you know steve you said something that resonated with me um you talked about being in a in a crowded pub crowded bar or getting together with friends right like it just struck me how much that's something that that I miss, you know, my family, our COVID experience, we have, we have been as cautious as we can possibly be. Um, which means we haven't been getting together in public places and hanging out with people in, you know, super social situations. Even the idea for me of going to a sporting event in a, in a crowded situation, I'm still just not there, you know, and I realize other people are, and that's fantastic. But before I started, um, paying attention to football and to English football. I never understood the concept of limbs, right? And, and the limbs when, when something goes well and there's that celebration, but that experience of being in a crowded place with people who are ecstatic over what just happened, like, could you imagine um, that match, wherever you're watching it with a group, how fun that would have been to be with a large group of people. And I was in my family room by myself, screaming to my to myself, and still very happy, but missing out on the limbs without question. Mike, thoughts on that? Well, you know for a fact, uh, Dave, that I that I did have an audible response. <laughs> uh, Steve and Steve seen me. Steve seen me at Goodwater. Um, I don't shut up. So um, today I was pretty reserved, but that day it was uh, it's kind of funny. It was exactly the same situation that you know happened uh, when. Uh, with Lucas in Amsterdam. Um, first half, uh, I missed, I had to listen, uh, on my phone on the way home from work. Um, my, I got home, my son got home. He had had a tooth pulled that day. So his face was all puffed up. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so here we are watching the second half and he's kind of disappointed sitting there. Yeah, I guess we're not going to win this one. And I said, boy, I, I don't know, buddy, you know, it, it, it was the same conversation that I had with him a few years back. And then Bergwijn's first goal happened. I, and I thought, the first thing I thought was, oh, shit, Doherty. You know, I, I was I, the first thing I, I was like, this guy, such, he's going to have a heavy touch and, and he's going to, and he's going to somehow fuck it up. And, you know, it's going to end up being a goal kick. Uh, luckily he uh chested the ball and uh it it came kind of kind of to Bergwijn everybody was on side there was nothing that crazy that happened so that ball goes in um we kind of look each other I looked at my son he he kind of sat forward a little bit and you know then we were happy both of us were happy with just getting a draw out of this because because uh, you know I felt that we that the entire game I understand that 
possession was what it was. The XG, the XG though, um, one of the high. What was it? One of the highest in, in Premier League history. Um, so, with, with with that, you know, um, I, I feel that we dominated the ball. Um, even though possession was was rather close, I think that we dominated the ball, and and I and we were in their third more than they were in ours. We were more threatening than they were the entire game. I felt like when he said like we deserved the win um so when that third goal happened um in the amsterdam experience my son jumped into my arms and we were dancing around the room and this was you know it was and it was just one of those things well he's now much larger and uh and uh you know he's much taller he was still standing on the couch and jumping on the couch uh, you know except he looked at me, I looked at him, and we both kind of went, nah. <laughs> he didn't jump into my arms this time. Um, my daughter did come running down the hallway, and she was like, it's okay. Everything's okay. <laughs> she thought we were upset. <laughs> but it was it was just a funny situation. I, I had such a, um, such a crazy range of emotions watching the game. And sure, you know, we celebrated like... You know, like we just won a cup. But I think for Tottenham, um, that game was was very was a very big game. One, it represented a point in the season where we needed um, something big for for us to move along with our season. It was one of our games in hand that we had to win. Um, and I just think in the way that in the way that we did win. It was. It's one of those pivotal moments that can turn an entire season on its back and 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 push you in a different direction that you didn't know you could go. Today, uh, you know, today we'll get into that. I. It was fully, kind of fully expected. I, I wasn't too too upset. I'm still not too too upset. Maybe because I'm still high from Wednesday, but I I can tell you that like. There's a lot of things I saw today that I think show that the team's going in the right direction and there are a lot of things that i can say that maybe tactically and and lineup wise were probably not great for me but we'll we can get into that whenever you want yeah we'll get to that we'll do that after our favorite segment which will be coming up in in just a bit mike but you know what's funny is um post lester i found myself on thursday and friday humming the song in my head all day long Tottenham get battered everywhere they go, right? Like that, that was just stuck on repeat in my head. And I found myself, and, and the reason I was was humming that is because there was that strange, like unified Spurs Twitter after Wednesday's match and um, all the all the video taken, even by Leicester fans. Like that, there was some awesome video. By the way, I'll admit to having that Lucas Moro with the fist in the air, black and white on my desktop background now because it's a fantastic picture and that's a that's a really cool memory to have seen that unfold but i put the pele one on there I'm, i i must have messed up wrong brazilian i guess <laughs> wrong brazilian <laughs> there's there's probably an emerson shot somewhere too but you know maybe that's <laughs> something different but you know i i found when i heard the chelsea fans singing that song today i went from you know an, an upbeat humming of that song in my head it, it for it meaning one thing to being like oh those bastards there they go again right like having that that uh that song again windy i'm curious um, what's your perspective on that, on, on that song and how it gets used or not used? I know people have spoken about this at length, but what, what's your perspective? I'm curious. 
Um, I think it's catchy, and so I think it would be a good thing for us to take ownership of it and just make it our own. Um, we're not we we we. So I was, I was talking about this earlier. We're really unoriginal with our with our songs. We struggle. Like you have some teams who just have this very natural way of producing original player chants that kind of get going around the pubs and then they take them into the stadium and they have like a conveyor belt. So when a new player joins, they've instantly got a new song. Like Man United just have a new song within minutes of a, a new player joining their club. And we're they really bad. Either, right? Yeah. I mean, this is it. They, they have like a production. Like they know what they're doing. They've got like, a, they, they're organized. And we're really bad at doing that. I mean, most of our players don't have a song now. Uh, the, the best player songs we've got for players who are on their way, who are leaving the club. I mean, Delhi's song is probably the best <laughs> song we have for a player. Uh, so I'm up for anything that is catchy and that Spurs fans can just sing easily. And uh, and yeah, it's kind of like a two fingers up to those clubs that want to sing it about us. You know, we, we hear it, we, we take ownership. I'd, I'd love to do that. I think it, it's one of those things where like, <laughs> You take the thing that hurts you the most and you and you turn it around and use it um it's self-deprecating if you will but it's it's kind of um i think i think that would be a perfect opportunity if if tottenham fans started using that and the other thing is that the word battered has a has a like triple meaning as well right right? so so battered in a football sense means to be to lose on the pitch uh there's also another meaning which is like the football hooligan sense of battered you know the fan the tottenham firm get battered everywhere they go is kind of mm-hmm. where that came from but then also it's in the uk there's the third meaning which is get drunk tottenham get drunk everywhere they go and, and so it works really nicely from that perspective too interesting and and wendy i made i made an assumption and maybe it's a wrong assumption that there's is there also a connotation about just kind of abuse or domestic abuse to that? Because I made that assumption. Yeah, no, that is true. That is yeah. that is also true. I, I would hope that that isn't part of the context. Yeah, uh, but but, it, but yeah, it, you're right. You're right. That points to the complexity, right? Like like you said, and and I agree with Mike's thoughts about take it and turn it. You know, turn it to your advantage. But you know, then you can go to the whole the whole Y word debate, mm. and you you know, you guys have covered that and discussed that really well, and give people giving people a platform for that. But same concept, right? Like take something that's meant to be hurtful and 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 take ownership of it and use it. But that gets complex depending on the listener, I guess. Ultimately, yeah, Dave. exactly. For just real quick, I want to pivot slightly because um, you you used a magic word there that I just want to uh, jump on, um, and that word is abuse. Can we just talk for a moment about how absolutely disgusting some of these fans this week have been, and and really for yeah. the last couple of weeks throwing crap at, at players? I mean, to see that coming from Spurs fans today, that was like losing is one thing, but to have our own fans doing that is just a whole other level of low for me. It's just absolutely disgraceful to see. I could tell you that if, you know, uh, and I always Reece, do this, but. Brief chat about that, right? Oh, oh sorry, Dave. Sorry, Dave, I kind of cut you off. Um, I, I could tell you that like. That's okay. I've seen it in other sports. Uh, I've seen it in the NFL, um, you know, the I, I I seen it in the NFL happen with with snow and ice, um, uh, you know, in the New York Gi- in a New York Giants game um, that I was at, um, 
I saw it happen. Um, it, it, we saw it happen in Cleveland um, with the with the plastic beer bottles being being rained down onto the field. They had to stop the game because of it. Uh, and and you know now we're we're seeing this in EPL right now. I don't. <clears throat> I think I've mentioned before that I think fans get way too um, get way too into into the game. Get their fans get way too passionate about something, um, and frustrations frustrations come out. And I I can see people being frustrated with Rudiger, but that is a hundred percent the wrong way to react. Um, and I and I honestly. I, I, I'm disgusted and, I, and I'm sorry for our fans to uh, the Chelsea players out there, um, whether Rudiger deserved that or not. He, well, he didn't deserve to have things thrown at him. Um, I mean, we've had our shithousers on our team too, you know. I think he revels in that kind of a, that kind of a uh, situation as a player. Like, he, he likes to get under people's skin. And that's, that's how he plays the game and that's how he's able to be you know, a, a successful defensive player. He's probably one of the better defenders in the league, the best probably. Uh, but to, to have that happen and, and lighters of all things, <laughs> like numerous lighters coming from that section. Uh, I don't know if there are a lot of smoke butts in the, in the crowd, but. Uh, <laughs> um, Such an about it, what about in the uh, windy, what about in the uh, concourse areas and that type of thing? Is, is smoking permitted? No, there's no smoking in football stadiums at all. Um, but what you'll find is that fans smoke in the toilets. <laughs> uh, so, you know, they, they yeah. And, th and this is the thing. So lighters are, are, are thrown because any kind of missiles are taken off fans as they enter stadiums. But you can kind of put a lighter inside your cigarette packet and is the steward going to check? Probably not. Right. Uh, and, and so you've got something that you can, it's the same with coins. People throw coins at players because they're not going to be taken off them. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty wrong. It's, I mean, it's just... It used to it, happen in hockey games in Canada all the time. Really? Yeah. Coins. People people are horrible, basically, aren't they? And, and, and <laughs> they will find, I mean, it's just another reminder of the kind of lack of humanity on display at, at sporting events. You just forget sometimes, I mean, I don't forget, but a lot of people forget that these are human beings out there doing their job ultimately and I, I love I love I love kind of vitriolic atmospheres um I love banter and in, in between sets of fans I like a bit of hostility but it's so easy for it to go too far um and I was listening to Eric Dyer speak on on a podcast about the incident where he kind of went up into the to the stadium and he's he spoke so eloquently about that and he said you know if the same he said if it happened again i'd be doing the same thing tomorrow he's got no regrets about what he did and it, it it was really powerful to hear him say that and um just to kind of highlight the fact that as fans we think players a fair game and it's really not on like you can absolutely have a bit of banter with players and and laugh at them when they slip over the ball or miss a pass or whatever but throwing things at them is just completely unacceptable and i really hope that those fans are identified and you know as well as given a lifetime ban they should also face they should be prosecuted for you know it's, it's really violent behavior the one that the everton at the goodison park was was pretty shocking because 
that it was a full bottle of drink of of Fanta or whatever, and it was thrown at. I think it it hit Matty Cash in the head and then rebounded off and hit Luca Luca Dina as well. Yep. and that could have done some serious damage, thrown from distance at, at a in a powerful way. I mean. Obviously, people are inebriated and they're, you know, swept up in the game and the emotion and they're, they're enjoying themselves. But, oh, my goodness, just think what you're doing, for God's sake. You know, Wendy, if, unless something better comes up, we may have an episode title, and it's something you said a couple of minutes ago. Uh, people are horrible, basically. That, that, <laughs> that might be the one. We'll see if it sticks through through this conversation. Okay, but, but let's move to more fun and positive things. Mike? I'm really curious uh, what you're doing right now. And I'm trying to think about the best way to ask the question. I think I'm going to defer to our our guest, Wendy. There's a question we'd like to ask Mike, and I want to give you the chance to ask it. What do you say? Hey, Mike, what are you drinking? <laughs> well, Wendy, uh, <laughs> uh, today, so today, um, because we have Wendy on, um, I, I'm a subscriber uh, to um, the Extra Inch Patreon Um and uh, I have a good banter on the on the on the beer channel with uh, with a lot of a lot of the other ex subs. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, Abby had wanted me to um, to do the barrel aged maple wheat. Um, and unfortunately, my I had left the door a cracked in my beer fridge a little bit outside, and it got to be thirty below zero. Um, so it froze. Um, I had to throw that beer away. I went out and I found some more specifically for her. Um, so I'm going to do that today. This is a, a maple maple wheat ale. It's barrel aged uh, in whistle pig rye barrels. Um, for some of our listeners that don't know, whistle pig is um, one of the one of the top um, distillers of rye, um, not just in the United States, in the world, um, rye whiskey. Um, and as far as quality, it, they're, they're probably, I don't think they're surpassed, um, even by some of the bigger distillers that have been around for hundreds of years. Um, so they have paired up with Harpoon Brewing um, out of Massachusetts and Vermont. Um, Harpoon came out of uh, the Boston area. And so, um, hold on, I just got to pop up here. Um, <laughs> so um harpoon harpoon came out of uh, the boston area and um catamount brewing was in vermont uh in windsor vermont and it was one of these places that um it was one of the original breweries in vermont um sits beautifully on the connecticut river um nice grounds um and it was always one of one of the big craft breweries in the 80s late 80s and early 90s um see they had some poor management um they went under um, and that brewery was bought by Harpoon, who was looking for a place to expand. And uh, years and years later, Harpoon started brewing out of that specific brewery, using the same water and everything, uh, Catamount's beers. Um, so they brewed Catamount IPA. They brewed uh, Catamount's uh, flagship was their Amber Ale um, and their Maple Wheat Ale. They brewed that too. And this is the this is the old uh, the old Catamount logo, um, and uh, let's get into this. I'm very excited to to see this. 
You know, so. Mike, as as you were describing that, I had to look it up, right? Um, and I was waiting for you to drop a name so I could <laughs> put, put it in. And, and oh, he's on there. He's it. on there. I saw. I saw. Uh, yep. Yep. But uh, I, I did one? learn that there is another uh, maple brown ale that's brewed in Vermont with whistle pig ba- uh, barrel aged. It's from Lawson's. Oh, that yeah. sounds interesting. Lawson's. Lawson. I love Lawson's beers. <laughs> Like I've been, I'm sure you have too. I've been to that Harpoon, um, that Windsor Harpoon Brewery. Have yeah, you been there at all? Great, they have a great barbecue fest and a great Oktoberfest. They do, yeah. Um, every year, and, and it's usually very fun. So this beer pours super, super, super dark. I poured it into a, a mug. Um, it is not a, an Imperial Pint, Wendy. Um, <laughs> it, is a, it is a U.S. Pint. Um, because there's a difference, right? About four ounces is. or so? Yeah, a little over 100 milliliters. Uh, difference. Um, smells breaking wow. out the metric system. It smells sweet, like it smells like maple syrup. It smells uh, like like whiskey. Um, our friend Lone Freighter. Let's see what Lone Freighter has to say. Poured into a pint glass, another bottle. So this guy's he's got like a he's got kind of this. It's almost like a template that he goes by. Like your your attitude's crappy. I want to hear you read this with an optimistic tone, All right. with, without being so possible. condescending. Yeah, you, let's hear. It. You know, Wendy's Wendy's got his lights on there. It's getting it's getting late for him, so we're gonna. Move. <laughs> uh, the appearance had a nice hazy orange to amber color. Looks very very brown to me. Uh, the foamy head that lasted for a good a good minute and a half. Once the head started dying and letting some lacing start to show. It looked fairly stringy and light. It's Lori. Oh, this guy, I tell you. The smell had a nice dose of maple, that's true, revealing itself through some nice wheat tones. The taste took the maple and wheat and added a fairly decent hot bitterness in to assist in balancing the whole thing. On the palate, this sat for fairly light, but sh- this one sat fairly light, but showed an aspect that could be considered medium on the body. See, it doesn't explain anything about the the whiskey, uh, the fact that it's a it's part it was part of originally part of like a barrel series that they did. Uh, it's all very very small batch stuff. Um, this beer smells boozy, man. Uh, this comes in at six point eight percent alcohol. No, this Lone Freighter guy, he's like your alternate universe nemesis, basically. He's the he's the exact mirror opposite of you in every way. I feel like you're not even reviewing beers anymore. You're just reviewing his reviews of beers. Yeah, right. No, that's yeah, I guess right? that's what's happening. We're morphing we're morphing into me making fun of this poor guy who has no clue. Yeah, I emailed him. Um this is actually nine percent alcohol, uh compared to uh what I just read about here. Uh, which this was probably the original 6.8. So yeah, uh, it smells super, super sweet. And I'm, I'm very excited to get into this. Oh boy. I will say I had a, uh, a drink at 14 star this week for my anniversary. Um, that clocked in at a whopping 12%. Holy it hell. Holy shit. It was barley wine. As a matter of fact. Good lord! It tastes like those... crap. Steve, <laughs> Steve, I've had those before where they they like will say we'll only give you two of those, or they cut you off after a certain number. Was that your yes. experience with that? I don't know. I I 
couldn't even finish the one. It, it was just not great tasting. <laughs> this beer here, let me want to talk about taste. Good this beer tastes great. Um, I don't usually go in uh, for these gimmicky. I don't like barrel aged beers typically. You know, kind of. I feel like they're gimmicky, and of course, a lot of these, you know, these fruited IPAs and stuff that they do, and the and the uh, the beers brewed with lactose and all that stuff. Now, um, I know we got talking about uh, about wild ales on the on the Discord too. Um, those aren't ever my favorite beers, but I gotta tell you, um, I could have one of these. Uh, one of these is a nightcap type beer. That's that's where I'm putting it to drink, Dave. Nightcap, maybe by the fire, on a cold night. Um, it tastes of whiskey. Like you can, it really pops out. But what hits you though is the maple syrup, and the second that you start to sip that, you the maple syrup just comes like right through your nose, and across your taste buds, and it's just pretty amazing pretty amazing like i really i really enjoy this beer but i'm gonna have one and that'll probably carry me through the rest of the night i have some nfl games to watch so <laughs> all i can think of mike with that description is that scene in super troopers i'm sure you know which one i'm referring to no which one they're chugging the syrup oh jesus <laughs> yes you see, classic the, the, vermont the, the right problem, there the problem the problem is is that Steve, you probably couldn't do it because you have those little bird lips. These are chugging like, lips. <laughs> hey, back back in my youth. Getting weird, fellas. <laughs> this is taking a weird turn. I'm very sorry. Let's get back to football. <laughs> Let's do it. Mike, did you do a rating or was I distracted? I was trying no, to take no, a picture. No, I didn't give it a rating because I, I was waiting for Steve <laughs> to, to text me and tell me what to, what to say. Um, oh, God. No, um, I, I, today I'm going to give this uh, 3.9. Damn it. I was going to guess 3.85. Mm. Yeah, no proof of that, Steve. You didn't text it to us. Damn so it. No, no. It was All too right. slow. 3.9. Uh, Mike and Wendy, I'm going to ask, do I have permission to share a picture of the four of us with Mike reviewing the beer on the Discord? Is that a, is that a, fair, uh, a fair thing to do? And Mike, you can follow up with the details on the beer later. Fair enough? Yeah, you got to find some way to get this Galaxy shirt out because I'm about to throw it away. I love that. We haven't, we haven't we haven't won we haven't won with me wearing it yet. So I wore my uh my new that I was excited about new new track jacket today, which is English size, so not built for an American, you know, extra large guy like me. You'll be able but... to zip it up this summer. Yeah, that's my hope. <laughs> my, my my goal in life is to be able to zip this up comfortably and not have to have to wear it open. But anyway, uh it may not come out for a while after after today. Great segue. Let's talk about today. Uh, Wendy, how about you get us started with uh, just, just thinking about lineup. The lineup was interesting as it came out. What, what were you thinking about when you saw that today? Um, so the rumors broke about the lineup several hours before it came out. And I, I tweeted from the Extra Inch account that maybe it was something to do with uh, wanting to possibly switch between a a back three and a back four kind of during the game, which we'd done against Chelsea in one of the other matches, or whether we maybe wanted to make it into a back six at times, like we saw Mourinho do several times. So we had Sessegnon and Doherty as as, as wingers, uh, when obviously they're used to playing as wing backs. So 
the assumption was that they would play as as essentially auxiliary fullbacks, but that wasn't the case. They they did play as as wingers. I did not like this lineup at all. Um, so so I think it's really important to say that we were we were hamstrung enormously by the fact that we had like six first teamers either injured or unfit to start. So if I go through them, um, if I can remember them off the top of my head, Son, Romero, Emerson, Regulon, Skip, and Lucas, six players. They would have all they would have all started in Conte's strongest lineup, I think. So you know it's it's going to be tough. You've got your, you've got six players out. One of them's your second best player, and and Romero is probably our third best player at this point, and certainly one of our most important. So it's going to be tough, but I feel like he had more. better choices to make um so Conte said that he had an emergency today and he he basically picked the players that he could and therefore he had to change the system to a 4-4-2 because that was all that was all he was working with um against Leicester we played 3-5-2 it was the second time we played 3-5-2 under Conte the first was against Liverpool those two performances are by far and away, in my opinion, our best performances under Conte, aside from perhaps Crystal Palace when they had Zaha sent off. So I think that's a, like a slightly different situation. I'm really hoping that we go back to the 3-5-2. I want to see 3-5-2. I wanted 3-5-2 today desperately. And I kind of think we could have played 3-5-2 even with those injuries. But Conte, bearing in mind he's got those six first team players out, he's kind of made his squad smaller for himself by now excluding Ndombele for obvious reasons, but also Delhi and Lacelso. And like, fair enough, you want to get rid of them, it's January. Absolutely, you know, I, I'm not against Conte doing whatever he wants to do with this squad. Completely fine with me. But we've seen Wolves, who are about to sell Dharma to us, play Dharma. You know, he's, he's come off the bench in the last two games. It's not impossible for players to be leaving the club, but also carry on playing until you get a replacement in. And I feel like him, he, he kind of shot himself in the foot. I mean, Delhi was outstanding against Liverpool in a midfield three. There's no reason to believe that he couldn't have done the same thing again. The Celso literally came on in our last game against Leicester. So he, he can't have been that far away from, from his plans. And yet today he's left out entirely and he's, he's kind of put an Instagram post out saying he was fully fit and available. Look, I'm, I'm not... Uh, it's hard because you know his lim- his options were limited, but I really, really did not want to see Matt Doherty playing as a right winger. I did not want to see Jaffa Tanganga, who's been our weakest player over the last few weeks, playing at all. Frankly, I mean, I, I like I like Tanganga a lot, but he's having a bad spell. He's probably going to leave. I did not see the point of him playing right back, and I also really did not want to see Ben Davis, who's been totally reinvigorated as a left sided centre back, revert to playing left back where he was always pretty over the last few years pretty weak so I feel like he's made three changes he's moved three players out of position when he could have just brought in Delhi or Lo Celso played 3-5-2 and we could have had round pegs in round holes and I, I would have felt happier the one thing I would say is I understand having played Chelsea twice recently and struggled against them both times I understand wanting to try something different going 4-4-2 playing essentially a version of low block encounter and, and, you know, really focusing on transitions 
Cessnion, uh, obviously a very good counter-attacking player. Matt Doherty, really good at getting into the box late. So again, perhaps a counter-attacking player. So I kind of see it, but he did not, that was not what Conte's narrative was. His narrative was that he picked the players he had available to him and it was an emergency situation. So I don't necessarily, I don't know if it's ideological or not, but um, yeah, those are my thoughts. I was really disappointed with the selection and I'm, I, 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 yeah, I, I feel like he made a mistake. Let, let me ask you this, because I'm good. curious um, what your thoughts are. Harvey White made the bench. Would you have preferred doing the three uh, center backs with uh, Davies, Dyer, and Sanchez? Then we throw, um, you know, Seston Young at left wing back, Doherty right wing back. And then you fill that midfield spot with Harvey White instead of playing Tanganga. Would you have done that? Absolutely, absolutely. Or even Brian Hill. We've seen him play as an eight in the in the Europa League, and he was he was absolutely adequate. He looked fine, and and this is it. I'm, I I didn't know. I I had assumed that Conte was a manager who stuck to a system, um, more than personnel, and and maybe that's not the case. Maybe personnel is really important to him, and he's just going to pick his eleven best players in whatever system. But he's not played a back four for like three and a half years by all accounts. It just seemed really weird to me that he reverted to playing to playing a back four on this occasion, which meant playing three players out of position. And Do- Matt Doherty on our right wing. I mean, this is just insane. He's played left wing and right wing in the last fortnight. I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And as much as like people say, you know, Delhi and Lacelso wouldn't really add much, fine. You could you might think that. I I disagree. I think they could add something. They're gonna leave, whatever. But I'm sorry, they're they're they're, they're obviously better footballers than Matt Doherty, particularly Matt Doherty playing out of position. They just are. They just are. There's no there's no arguing with me about that. That might be another title, actually. I'm gonna have to decide where we go with that. Uh, obviously, better footballers <laughs> than Matt Doherty. Um, Steve, what what what's your take on the why? Like everything Wendy just described. Why do you think Conte went the way he did? Well, you know, Conte said it a lot, right? It, for him, he tries to pick players that have sort of earned his trust. I will say Lo Celso is an odd one for me, um, especially when he came out before the match and said, hey, I'm fit, ready to go. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'd, I'd have to double check, but I, I, I could have sworn that there was some implication um, in the post-match interview from Conte that that might have suggested that it was the club making the decision. Um which might be a little odd to me because, you know, like you said, when the Traore played and, you know, by all accounts, he's got one foot out the door, you know, and I'm of the opinion that if you're contracted to play for a team, you should be available to play for the team, regardless of what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or by the end of the week, get the guys in there, let them play. If they get injured, which let's be honest, LaCelso is kind of prone to that, you know, that's just kind of a risk you have to take. It's a big game. You know, Chelsea is always a big game and we don't exactly have a fantastic record at Stamford bridge. And I am 100% in agreement that we kind of shot ourselves in the foot with that lineup. Um, that said, I was kind of surprised at how I'm not going to say, well, how not terrible it was in the first half. And to be honest, and Dave, I know we had this conversation, um, you know, over text. If I mean, the, the two of us, right? Because we I was listening. Yeah, of course. I was listening. Yeah. 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 All right. Me. Sure. Uh, for me personally, both goals they scored 
were the direct results of Tanganga being on a yellow card and unable to make the appropriate challenge when he needed to. He's on the yellow because, you know, he's doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. And he's still, even on the yellow, getting himself into positions where the only way out is a tactical foul. You can't do that when you're on a yellow. So you've got, you know, he had to have Dyer come over and, and help out, which, you know, he gave that foul away and, and they got the second. But even the first one, he got so close to his mark, got spun by Hudson Adoy, and then that was just game over for him. You know, he's out of position. He can't make the challenge. Somebody else has to come over. They're out of position. Um, and it just opens up so much space for them. It's, I think, if Conte wanted to continue with that system, he should have brought Tanganga off at halftime, hands down. There's absolutely no reason in my mind he should have started. But even then, it should have been obvious that he needed to come off because they were just targeting him. He was a liability. He's on a yellow. He can't make the same sort of challenges that you might need to disrupt a very fluid attack. Um, and, and, you know, to... To be fair, we had the subs lined up. He was going to come off, but it was you know, a case of too little, too late. By that time, we'd already dug the hole, and there was absolutely no way for us to get out of it at that point. We did look a bit better um, in the second half after those subs, but that could have just been Chelsea taking the foot off a little bit. Darty, in my opinion, was still really wasteful uh, with his opportunity. There's just no consistency. Like He, he looked fine against Leicester coming off the bench, but he looked terrible today you know that that if we had Traore today I think we might have had a much easier time of it I don't think we would have won outright but I think we would have looked a little more threatening um for sure so hopefully if we learn nothing else from this game this this last month really playing Chelsea three times losing three times we need reinforcements in this week no excuses Traore, if we can get that over the line, great. Um, I just saw that there was rumors that we had an agreement with Milan for for Kessie, although he doesn't seem to want to come because he wants to help Milan win. That came I, out of uh, last word, right? It's it, There's a couple of people picking it up. Nobody reputable. So again, grain of salt, but still, he's the type of player that would be an exciting you know, reinforcement to bring in, particularly if we're able to send Ndombele to PSG or if we're planning on moving Dele and, and Los Celso, we're going to need a midfielder. Somebody's got to come in. Traore is great, you know, in that white, right wing back that we're looking to, to play him in or even as a right wing, whatever, on the right side, just dominating with his incredible pace. But with a lot of the outgoings that have been rumored and the fact that we didn't even bring Dele or Los Celso, you have to think that they're gone this week. And that means we need somebody to come in. Otherwise we're just, what we're stuck with Hoy beer, winks and skip. And, uh, you know, maybe we get Harvey white some chances, which to be honest, I, I would love to see Harvey white get in there. But when we're also challenging for, you know, a top four champions league spot and, you know, we're, we're right there, right at the cusp of breaking in, you kind of want somebody who's got the experience, the skill, and the ability right now to slot in and make the team better and not hope that, uh, you know, you've got an academy product who can learn it and grow into the role. Growing into it is fine when we've got some of these cup games that, you know, we might not need to roll out the first team. But when you're competing and trying to get 
one of those last spots. And, and I think Ponte was absolutely spot on in his, uh, his post-match talking about the difference in the squads. And I hate listening to Chelsea fans complain about how they never get postponements. They could field three first team squads that would be competitive in this league without a doubt. We can field maybe one if everybody's fit. And then we've got players that Conte clearly doesn't rate. It's like I've been saying, you know, since he took over, it seems to me like he's got 14 or 15 guys that he really trusts to come in and do the job. And that's it. That is not enough to compete. It's certainly not enough to compete in multiple competitions. Granted, we're down to two now, but in the in the grand scheme of things, you know, he had a quote uh, in his press conference. Uh, I actually pulled it up. Uh, there's not one transfer market to close the gap. In the last few years, the gap has become very, very big. Now it's not simple to find a solution in a short time. Spot on. But he continues to say, but for sure you have to start. And there's a point to start. Now is the time to start making the changes. We need people in by the end of this week, or it's going to be an absolute slog to get through the rest of the season. <laughs> You've said it. Absolutely. Mike, I, I'd love to hear from you. I, I don't want to take away your opportunity to talk about Chelsea, but um, we've talked about that a bit, but you can go there if you want. But I'm also curious about what do you think is really going to happen in the next week of the transfer window? What's your, your honest opinion? Um, I, I think I told you guys, I thought Adama was going to be, uh, was going to be with Spurs by Friday. Uh, you know, it, it's as close as it's going to get, you know, the once, once it's kind of out there that both sides have agreed, it's, it's a matter of days, you know, it's not like major league baseball where, you know, a guy gets traded to another team and, uh, he they they call him and let him know and, and he's w- with his new team that day. It doesn't right. work. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um. In soccer, so that said, um, Adama will be with us. I, I I'm assuming. Um, I don't know who else is targeted because you know all this ITK coming at us every single day. You know I got caught up in it and I, I can't stand it. Um. You know I, I think. Vlaovic and Kessie and um, whomever else we're, we're going to be linked to for the next week. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch, but you know, watch your reputable or listen to your reputable people. Listen to the, to the sources. Uh, you know, Fabrizio is pretty good. Um, you know, Ali G is going to give you what he can. Um, you know, there are, there are, don't listen to Italian journalists. <laughs> Because just because there's Paratici and, 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 you know, and Conte there, it, it, you're going to get every single, every single uh, Italian player is going to be linked to Spurs. Um, so, you know, I expect one or two, um, but I just, I just want to point out that in today's game, watching today's game, uh, I, I'm, I am a Lucas Homer. He was not good today. Um, he... I know we always said, you know, he he'd be one of those great uh, super sub type guys. Um, he was not not great in a substitute um, situation today. Um, you notice, Mike, he was throwing his hands up several times, walking yeah, around yeah, around the he pitch. Was, he, he was, was off. the reason. Yeah, he, what he was doing is the reason that my wife hates Brian Hill. Um, the one game she ever saw him in, 
you know, he's got his arms out. He's always doing this. And he's like, you know, she doesn't like him. She doesn't like his mustache. And, uh, you know, kind of like, I don't like, like people with weird haircuts. Um, <laughs> Dave, Dave likes to pick on me about that, Wendy. Um, but um, watching Harry Kane out there, that's that's the guy that, that we've all been rooting for for these years. That guy is... He's hustling. He's running around. He's trying to get back, track back, and play defense. Um, he's constantly trying to make situations, in, um, make situations where he can put himself and not just himself, but the team, in a position to succeed. Um, and that is the guy. That is the captain of the England team. That is the captain of our team outside of Hugo, um, who I thought you know, was brilliant again today for what he was, the positions he was put in. Um, but I think Harry Kane, this is the Harry Kane that we, we've expected and we've come to expect for, for a lot of years. And I think every single match he gets better and better and he gets more into it and he's buying into Conte's system. Um, I know I said a million times we should have sold him. If he's going to continue to play like this and, 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 tear his skin off for this team and you saw the joy that he had i hadn't seen that joy out of harry kane in a long time that he had during that Leicester game and i think wendy had mentioned that it's it's pretty awesome to see so i even today even with today and i know we're beating a dead horse here talking about this um i wasn't too upset but i did see some things and the things that i saw was harry kane was hustling his ass off um, Dyer trying to do everything in defense. Uh, Dyer, Dyer got forward a couple of times. Dyer made a run into the box, in fact. Um, I, I, I really thought Skippy should have been out there. I thought Hoiberg didn't really follow up his, his Leicester match that he had, um, very well today. He, again, he really tries hard. He does. He's not out there trying to trying to fuck up or trying to have a bad game. I don't think any of these guys are, but you know, Hoiberg's had a, had a little rough run, but he's been overused, you know, he's like my furnace, you know, every once in a while, you just have to give the furnace a rest. You know, it can't, it can't heat the whole house constantly all the time. Um, so I, I just, I'm not going to go more into today's match, except for that. The fact that nobody could have done anything about that that Ziak goal that was wow like i honestly thought when when he shot that shot i thought that i thought that ball was going goes was going wide and over the top and it just dropped in it was it was insane that shot was so good he made hugo look like golini right like concrete shoes couldn't move <laughs> couldn't even make an effort on well at it. first you know at first when the ball went in i went why didn't he even try for that and then when I saw it from the behind the goal, I don't know if you guys got that that view, Wendy, but the behind the goal view, they were heat, no chance. That ball was lofted so high and and it, and it curled, and it curled so hard at the end, it was kind of it was kind of like a weird like a like a knuckle curveball, right? In in baseball, it was just there was no nothing anybody could have done about it. Just take the strike out. Absolutely. And, and we did, and we did. 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 Wendy, what do you think is going to happen in this final week of the, of the window? Um, it's a really tricky one. I think, so I, my, my suspicion is that we were going to sell Bergvine 
to try and raise some funds, even though we didn't necessarily want to. It was just the case of, well, you know, he's potentially 20 million. And then he scored two goals against Leicester and looked really good. So they've kind of given up on the idea and he's kind of back in the in, in Conte's thoughts. And so instead of that, they'll sell the Celso. Well, that's that's the only thing I can think that that's the only thing that makes sense because otherwise, you know, we, as we've all mentioned, we've got quite a small squad. So why would you not keep the Celso until the end of the season and then sell then? Yeah. So I think they're trying to raise some funds for someone or something. So they must have a target in mind. And obviously Adama has been linked for the whole window and, and the summer too. The fact that he was linked in the summer before Conte joined makes it seem to me that he's a Paratici uh, target rather than a Conte target. I'm not convinced with Adama. Um, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch because he's re- he's just generally fun to watch. But I think he might be as frustrating as he is fun after a little while. Uh he runs himself out by 60 minutes too. Yeah. Like he gets tired really, really quickly. But that's, that's I mean, if, if we're going to play him as a wing back, that's fine because yeah, Conte's wing backs come off yeah. anyway, right? So, <laughs> right, right? so, I mean, I mean, it's the kind of game today where he would not, he couldn't have played wing back. He perhaps could have been useful as a counter-attacking winger. Um, and it's just depth at this point, isn't it? I think I really think we need a centre back. I think the centre, you know, as much as I, I think Romero is brilliant, I think Dyer's been superb this season. Probably, like I, I dare say, Dyer's probably been our best player for me this season overall. Um, I like Davis. I think he's been a lot better, but I think it's quite an easy upgrade. Just upgrading Davis. So I, I and then having another option because I just don't think Sanchez and Tanganga are are good enough personally, and and Roden's clearly not fancied. Um, so where we got to centre back, I definitely think we need a right wing back to compete with Emerson, and I think we need a backup striker because we we cannot keep flogging Harry Kane to death every season, and it's just so bad for him. Um, and if some were fit, then it would be easier to rest Kane. But obviously this period is, is tricky because Kane's playing so many minutes. And then we've got all these rearranged fixtures to fit in as well. So, you know, that's going to put a lot of pressure on Kane's ankles, which we, we could do with avoiding. So I, I think we need um, a centre-back, a right-wing back and a striker in the long term. But if we're selling or loaning Delhi and Lo Celso and Ndombele, we need a central midfielder as well. <laughs> We just don't have enough to go around. Uh, and you can mitigate that a bit by playing 3-4-3 rather than 3-5-2, which is what Conte seems to want to do. So you're playing two of Skip and Winks and Huey Vieira every game. But, you know, if one of them goes down with an injury, that suddenly becomes an issue. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think this is comes back to my point about him making his squad smaller by excluding players. I, I, I just think it's a dangerous game to play when you, you've got very little time left in the window. Very interesting point. Appreciate you coming back to that. Uh, agreed on all three positions and hopeful that we see at least one or two of them get solved, but we, we shall see. Let's go to, let's go to closing thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, Mike, let's start with you. Wrap us up. What are your closing thoughts? Um, today we, uh, we kind of expected what happened. Um, they're clearly miles ahead of us. Um, our, our, our oh, shoot. I almost said it. Uh, our coach, I almost said dear leader. Um, uh, he's not a North Korean dictator. Um, so, uh, well, not, not that we know of, he might be an Italian dictator. (laughs) Um, but I, I I think we kind of expected this to happen and we know that we are miles apart from 
from a Chelsea, just based on just based on our bench, uh, based on our options um, at substitutions and at at lineup uh, at lineups. So um, we got a week. Um, we have Romero not going out on international duty, which is great. Um, we have time for the coach to, to employ more of his tactics um, and possibly start thinking about who we're going to have in in January if we have anybody. Um, my my thought was that it would have been nice to have that Cassie or uh, a Weston McKenney even. Um, not that I'm trying to be a USA fanboy, um, but I think Weston McKenney. I was watching some of the UVA game today, and he was good. He looked great coming forward. He looked great in a holding position. Um, his passes are super, super crisp. Um, Serie is a little more wide open than than the English Premier League um, tends to be. So I mean, um, but he was doing this. He was bossing the, that game against a really, really good AC Milan side. So he would have been nice, but you know, rumors are what rumors are. Um, we're gonna have to wait and see what see happens. What. You know. I think we talked about this. We just manage expectations. Top four is not out of the question. Top three might not out of, be out of the question. Even, um, you know, even Mason Mount was saying today in post game that that you know Tottenham's not something to mess around with. Um, we have quality players out there. We have a lot of injuries. We'll come back after this break and we'll see what happens. Romero's coming back, and I think that's that's a huge part of the puzzle huge piece of the puzzle because when like Wendy said he's one of our top three probably best players on that pitch and um it's it's he's gonna make all the difference out there but it, you know it depends on who we bring in and who who leaves too um that said I'm very upset I'm gonna make a mention of the scum um because they're taking my favorite my favorite MLS player well it looks like they might get him uh to kind of languish in the on the bench at at arsenal uh it was matt turner um matt turner is the best goalkeeper in mls he plays for my new england revolution um and he did he's done an admiral like and actually a very very good job filling in for zach stefan who sits there in english premier league just behind uh ederson right um, and doesn't ever get on the field. So <laughs> um, I, I'd hate to see these MLS players and these USA players not not get their runs out. Um, and I hate even more to see Matt Turner go to go to Arsenal. Um, I, I think he's an incredible talent, um, and I think I think he would be great on a mid table team for a mid table team in, in in the Premier League, not to be sitting on a bench. So he goes to Arsenal, then is what you're saying, right? What's that? So go to Arsenal if you want to be on a mid-table team. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But a mid-table team where he would play. Understood. Hey, you were loving Josh Sargent yesterday, weren't you? Okay, that that goal was not accidental. I don't care what anybody says. I think it was brilliant. It, it, it was, it was, it was a cheeky. Wonderful goal. It was. It was cheeky. It was a yeah. wonderful goal. Because um, if anybody says that that goal was accidental, then so was Ndombele's. And so were both of Harry Wink's uh, goals in the past year and a half. Yeah. So I mean, I, Josh Sargent is is a talented kid. He's 
he's great when he plays for the U.S. when he has to, um, but he's not going to be the guy for the U.S. He's not he's not the striker for the U.S. Um, Just had to give you that moment. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. Steve, how about you? What are your closing thoughts? <sighs> I just want the transfer window to close in a positive way for us. But as you were talking about the, uh, you know, all the injuries and the knocks and whatnot, it really had me thinking, if only we had just one COVID case, we could have gotten the entire game <laughs> postponed. How unfortunate, but I guess it is what it is. You know, it kind of sucks that the uh, league is so inconsistent, but, uh, you know, it. I don't want to be one of those guys who complains about the refing decisions and the league screwing us over. The fact of the matter is, when we go out there, it should be there undisputable. <laughs> well, I will. You know, I'm going to complain, but at the end of the day, right, <laughs> if we're going to go out and we're going to play this game, and we're going to win, it should be undisputable that we deserve to win, not, oh, we won because of, you know, a cheap call, or we we lost because of a, you know, no call or whatever it is. Those, to me, it's like, if, if you're on such a fine margin there, that's not good enough. I think that, you know, we need to be looking to be a team that, you know, if everything goes against us we're still winning because we just have that much quality that much passion and and um we fully deserve everything we get you know it as as fun as it is to win off of a you know silly little uh, technical error from another team it's even better to just have absolutely no doubt who was dominating the entire time that Leicester game yeah it was exciting I loved the feeling of it but had we buried all those chances and won six one or whatever, uh, that would have felt pretty good too. And it probably would have been a little bit healthier for all of us watching. Uh, but yeah, we we're not there. We need we need the reinforcements. It's going to take time. And despite the uh, lineup headache today, I think Conte is absolutely the guy we need to be listening to. The board needs to be listening to Levy, all of them. Do what that guy says. He is a winning manager in his prime, doing all the right things. You can see the improvement on the team. Double down on him. That's that's what needs to happen. Steve and Wendy, how about you? What are your closing thoughts for us? I'm going to have to agree with um, the way Steve just ended there. I think I, as much as I've been quite negative about this game this, as a one-off game today, Overall, I still feel really, really optimistic about this season. I think, I honestly think we'll finish fourth and I think we'll finish closer to third than fifth. And I'm going to disagree with Mike a bit when he said that that Chelsea are miles better than us. I just don't think they are. I think they've got a bigger squad than us. They've got more depth than us, but we are, so we're 11 points behind Chelsea, but we've got four games in hand. So if we win our games in hand, we go a point above them. They they lost they dropped points to Brighton twice, Everton and Wolves recently. I think the thing is we see Chelsea against Spurs. When they play Spurs, it's like the way we play against Arsenal. They care more. They hate us so much. There's such an intense rivalry. We're really unfortunate, actually, because we are the biggest rivals for three teams 
West Ham, Chelsea, and Arsenal. That's really unfair. That's a great point. Very good. It's, point. It like seems desperately unfair that they all hate us so much and want to beat us and get one over on us. So they kind of up the ante. I mean, Chelsea are really good. Tuchel's a really good coach, but I, I just think. Conte elevates us. He makes us greater than the sum of our parts. And, and you've got the best striker in the league still, in my opinion. And, you know, you guys said it all earlier. This is this is the Kane we want to see back. I think the Leicester match was Kane's best performance in some time. He had 10 shots in that match. That's what we want. I, I've been saying since the start of the season with Kane, when he was he was kind of like not looking his usual self, that... All we have to do to get Kane back is have a functioning team that allows him to have shots in and around the box. And he's now having shots in and around the box. And lo and behold, he looks a hell of a lot better. And that is, that's Conte. That's the system. That's the, that's the system working and getting the best out of him. And that's really, really exciting, I think, for, um, for the future. I, I, I'm adamant we'll finish top four. And I feel really, really optimistic about the, the sense of direction, even though I will admit I do feel a little sad about some of the players leaving. I'm happy that they, they're going to go now. It's what it's what Conte wants, but it's going to feel crap watching Delhi play for Newcastle or Everton. I will share yeah. just to double down uh, in our in our text chat. See how I got around that. You did well done. <laughs> My bet right now, and I'm going to share it for for all our our dozens of listeners. Um, and all of the extra inch listeners who are who are you know coming in here because you know Wendy said hey you should check these guys out. They'll uh, listen to this episode as a one off and then they'll they'll ditch us again. Is that what you're saying, Steve? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe maybe they like what they hear. Maybe they can't stand me because I can't say WhatsApp chat hey. properly without struggling. Um, but the bet that I made, if we finish top four, I am buying a Harry Winks jersey. That was that was yeah that was for Nikki yeah yeah I, and I did say last year that if if Dyer got another man of the match and he was not great last year if I said <laughs> if he got another man of the match that I was gonna buy a Dyer jersey and it didn't happen I don't like you making this bet <laughs> or this it's promise. a win win we get top four I get a Winks jersey and you I have know, an excuse you know, I, I'd like you know you to start I... making some positive predictions like you know we're gonna win our next three that would be really really nice well let's like let's not get you're not an asshole i understand that but look i just i just need an excuse (laughs) to go to my wife and say look i have to buy this i have to do that top four and i told maybe hundreds of people over the internet that i was gonna do it are you gonna have them all call me a liar it's not gonna work she's still gonna call me out on it but at least it gives me a leg to stand on it's a good play in that regard, Steve. I give you credit for that that line of thinking. Hey, my, my takeaways are kind of a uh, uh, gathering together the thoughts of, of each of you. Um, this past week was kind of everything that being a, a football supporter can be, right? Like really high, and then the the moderate lows of a crappy crappy match on a on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, to me, that's okay. And and what I take solace in is. Um, I agree. We have a phenomenal manager in the prime of his career who has a voice and we all hope that voice is being heard. And I feel that the trajectory of the club is, is upward as opposed to static or, or downward. And, and with that uh, optimism prevails. So I think that's a good way to, to end our conversation. Wendy, as always, we are grateful for you being with us. Thank you for, for giving us a little bit of your time. And, it's always uh, good to see you guys and, and chat about our beloved club. Absolutely. I love talking to you, Wendy. It's great. Thanks.
and Mike and Steve, as you know, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate you both. Wendy, I appreciate you. Thanks to all of our listeners, however many dozens, hundreds, or scores, or whatever that may be. And uh, as always, coys, 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 coys. And thanks be for safe. being with us. Be safe. There it is. Yeah.